Welcome to Inside the OC, a podcast about the world's largest participatory sporting event, the United States Bowling Congress Open Championships. Join Matt Cannizzaro and Aaron Smith as they talk to some of the greatest names in the history of the tournament. The Eagles are ready. Let's take flight. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Inside the OC. My name is Matt Cannizzaro, and Aaron Smith is back with us today after the one-week hiatus. Looking forward to hearing some of his great insights today as we've got the other half of the night uh, heard around the world in 2019 at the Open Championships in Las Vegas. I can't wait to tell that story, and we'll touch base today with our 2019 regular doubles champs, Stephen Fisher and Cody Holbeck. Uh, just a couple of years of success uh, over the last two Open Championships, so we'll, uh, we won't waste any more time. We'll dive right in. Aaron Smith, welcome back. Hi, Matt. Good to see you, buddy. There you are. Last week, I was just looking at myself for the first uh, first part of the show. We had a great guest in Jenny Wonders. Uh, some emotion, for sure, uh, poured on that show. Uh, some great stuff from her. Uh, and now, again, uh, kind of the continuation of Champions Month, almost, uh, here on the Inside the OC podcast. Uh, looking forward to, to hearing some different insight today. Um, but how are you doing, sir? That is the question. <laughs> uh, I'm doing great. Glad to be back uh, this week here, both on the PWBA podcast and, of course, on Inside the OC. Uh, pretty excited for today's conversation. Um, uh, first opportunity for me to really meet uh, Steve Fisher, so we kind of got to chat a little bit. So uh, very cool dude. Looking forward to hearing a little bit more about, uh, you know, the bowling experiences over the past few years. And and Cody, you know, what can you say? He's won a title in each of the last two tournaments. Uh, you know, obviously, uh if you can make it three in a row, that's a rarefied air right there. Uh, so definitely excited to hear about, uh, you know, learn a little bit more about these guys and their experiences uh, at the OC. So, uh, you know, Matt, if you're ready, I'm ready to uh, bring them on the show. Yeah, I think we need to do that. And uh, let's welcome in again the 2019 regular doubles champs, Stephen Fisher and Cody Holbeck. Cody also the 2018 regular singles champs. So uh, we're going to cover a lot talking about the last two years at the OC. Uh, and again, Aaron, you told us a great story. Uh, we had Ryan Mao on a couple of weeks ago about his exciting night fighting off two tournament greats in Kurt Pilon and Sean Rash. Uh, and as it turns out, these two gentlemen joining us today actually were on the other side of the South Point Bowling Plaza. Uh, it was a split squad. It was early in the event, so uh, not too full on those days. Uh, so split squad, team event, and doubles and singles happened at the same time. And they were there firsthand uh, for the excitement that night. And they came back the next day, of course, and made their own excitement. But, gentlemen, welcome to the show, Cody and Steven. Uh, Cody, how are you today? Good. How are you guys? All right. And Doing Steven, well. welcome. Doing good. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. So, again, we learned a lot about you guys and, and life uh, before the show even started. We'll talk about that. Um, generally, these days, we'll catch up with how things are going in 2020 and what life is like. Uh, and for you two, uh, only about 30 miles apart on the map, but two different states. So uh, with COVID-19 and 2020 being so crazy, different rules potentially uh, in both places as well. Um, we'll talk background here. Uh, but Cody, you are in the bowling business uh, at uh, Town & Country Lanes down there in uh, Burlington, Wisconsin. 
Uh, so tell us what life has been like for you. I know there's been some extra work for you as well with the bowling center being closed. Uh, but catch us up on what you've been up to the last few months. Well, we got shut down um, St. Patrick's Day. So our governor came on and he said on that Monday, he goes, all right, he goes, we're going to have a 50 person, but you know, 50 person limit on gatherings. We're like, okay. Um, I sat down and I worked out all these plans for all of our leagues to still be able to run and had everything, you know, set in stone about probably about four hours later um, and ready to go. And then he came on that Tuesday morning and goes, all right, well, no more meetings of more than 10. Well, that point in time, all of our leagues, not a chance. It was, all right, you know, we, we got to throw that out. Um, so then from there, because we can't, you know, like most, you know, all other bowling centers, we can't run on 10 people. So we made the decision to close up because we had, at that point in time, it was supposed to be for two weeks. Well, we didn't know how long it was going to be. Um, so we made the decision to close down and we did that. So while that was going on, I'd still go in once a day just to check on everything. Um, as well as Meryl and Teresa, you know, we would all just go in at different times of day just to check everything, make sure everything was okay. Um, and go through there. Well, in the meantime, as time progressed on, you know, there was no end in sight for, you know, first it was the beginning of May and then it was, you know, then it could possibly be the middle of May. So I um, got in touch with somebody that bowls by us. He is the head of the par- of the parks department at just a small park around here. Um, it's about 10 miles from the bowling center. And he's like, hey, he's like, I need some help at the park this summer. Can you help me? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I'm like, you know, we have no idea how long this is going to last. And um, he actually runs a bar as well. So he was in the midst of things of didn't know when he could open back up either. So I got into the park with him about the end of March, early April. Um, And I've been working at the park ever since. So I've been doing like split, you know, split halves. Like I'll work at the park in the morning. Then I'll work at the bowling center in the early afternoon or the evening, um, you know, just to help, you know, still stabilize everything that I have going at home. Um, just to, you know, basically make, be able to make ends meet right now until the bowling season starts back up. All right. Now, Steve, you, uh, we, we tested the live stream yesterday, uh, when you were at work, uh, and it was a pretty awesome view, uh, and for what you get to look at every day. And so 2020 has been a little bit different for you, uh, new in business only opened up in 2019. Uh, but you said that just based on your location, uh, and the perfect circumstances almost for your business. Uh, you have had a terrific 2020. Uh, tell us about that. I know it's uh, it's kind of making making the best of a, a bad situation, I guess, in a way. Uh, yeah. But uh, for you personally, it's uh, it's it's been it's been okay. Yeah. So yeah. So March, obviously, we shut. shut I, I bought a bar in 2019, bar restaurant, and uh, so we were just going, getting into year two, and uh, you know everything got shut down in March. You know, and we didn't know how long it would be, and we got to made it, you know, all the way to the end of May is finally when we could open back up. I'm not gonna lie, it was maybe close to having to shut the doors. I mean, it was getting pretty bad there for a second, and then once we opened up, opened back up, it was just, you know, the support of the locals and you know everyone around, family, friends, you know, everyone came out and threw money at us like any way they could, whether they would buy shots and not even take shots, like they were spending money to spend money, like it. And you know, like I said, it was a perfect circumstance because we are in a phase three where you could only do outdoor dining 
you couldn't do anything indoor. And like basically our patio deck is we have 11 tables. We have a tiki bar outside and inside all we have is a bar. So our gold mine is the outside and, you know, people couldn't go to their chain restaurants. They couldn't go to their local pubs because you couldn't go inside. So it just, it turned into, it just skyrocketed out of nowhere and just been a crazy awesome two and a half months now since June one into August. And it's just, it's crazy what it's coming into. It's giving me chills even thinking about it, but you know, it's turned into a success rather than I was thought I was closing the doors two months ago. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's been a roller coaster for sure. We, we've thrown that term around a lot this year um, and we're glad you guys are both doing well and moving forward. Uh, of course, uh, we're here because you are champions at the open championships. So, uh, we're going to talk about your careers at the OC and what was coming up for you in 2020. Of course, uh, you probably, hopefully, were preparing uh, for the title defense. Last year, you guys bowled pretty early. You bowled in March. Uh, so we'll talk about that night here in a minute. Uh, but uh, as the defending champs, of course, you want to come out and do well. That's exactly what Cody did in 2019 as the defending champion in regular singles. Uh, but where were you guys in the thought process, the preparation of uh, trying to get ready to come out and make another run in 2020, of course, uh, which isn't going to happen. We're going to push back to 21, where you'll still be the defending champs, but a little more time to repair. But uh, tell us what things were shaping up to be like uh, when all this uh, went down in March. Um, well, you know, the time the time was coming up. I know I was practicing. You know, I'd put the patterns out from from the uh, the year prior and just bowling on them to try to kind of get used to them again um but at the same point in time i was also getting ready for the masters as well since that would have been um the week after or actually the week before we had bowled so kind of getting ready for both so i was i was bowling on some tougher stuff and then once you know this this kind of hit it was i wasn't you know i was still practicing i just wasn't practicing as much it was just a matter of trying to you know get back into the routine and just you know, and and get ready to go out there to defend. You know, it the difference from last year to this. You know, to this year, last year I was defending for myself. Um, this year I'm defending with with my partner. And you know, being singles, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm more of a team player. And and Steve can can answer that one. You know, when it comes to something team, I I want to go out. I want to be there for the team. Um, but you know, singles, I still want to bowl better. But I, if I can help somebody or a team or anything in that aspect, I want to be there to help them. Yeah, we were only, I mean, we were only like two weeks away from leaving. So I just got four new balls shipped like that day of. I was going to see Lenny Boris that week to go get my balls drilled. And literally, you know, two weeks, I mean, we were two, two and a half weeks out, I think, before we were leaving. And then this all happened. So it was, it was right around the corner for us. So we were ready to go. And then they uh, made just, an announcement that they backed it up to me. For those who might not be as familiar or familiar yet, uh, Cody Holbeck rolled the only 800 series of the 2018 Open Championships, 802, to claim the singles title. Uh, we'll walk through that here during today's show, of course, uh, on how all that uh, went down. But uh, Stephen Fisher also was part of that experience. Uh, it's the guys bowled doubles together. Uh, so Steve got to see the whole process unfold from – uh, you know, the moments leading up to taking the lead, everything that happened afterwards, uh, and then what happened in the months following, including coming back to the Open Championships uh, and 
being introduced as the defending champion, all that comes with that, the award presentation, the march out, all that special stuff, and then uh, the excitement uh, on your team event, on your squad, uh, leading into the next day, uh, going in thinking about singles, and Cody getting warmed up three games earlier in 2019, uh, and you guys going very well. So, um, you know, let, let's talk about that. Let's just get right to it. And we talked about the, the preparation and what it was going to take to go in. Um, Cody, tell us about that experience of, uh, you know, winning, shooting 802, but uh, it didn't end quite how you had hoped. So uh, at first on the lanes in Syracuse, uh, you not only thought that 800 got away, uh, potentially uh, putting up a number, you know, just enough to take the lead, but maybe not enough to win. Uh, and then having to wait out the weeks that followed to find out that, in fact, it was enough. But uh, a lot of emotion there, I'm sure. Uh, tell us about that experience a little bit. That um, that year in Syracuse, it was it, it, it was just wild. Um, you know, it started with a very late night the night before, thanks to Mister Fisher. But uh, you know, get, getting back late and then getting into the you know just getting into the to the convention center. Um, we got in there, and you know, I'm, I'm a morning person, so I was up roaring, ready to go uh compared to you know most that were in our group so time comes out to march out you know i'm living it up ready to go and we went out and as a team we had a game plan you know game plan to help each other break down the lanes you know see what you know what what we could find to to try to get the you know best score that we could so we're bowling doubles and we get in you know we, we didn't have the greatest start we get into game two, probably seventh or eighth frame, and actually Steve and Tony Buss look at me and they go, "All right, you know, do you know, do you and and just you know get where you're comfortable." So I, I made the adjustments, and when I made that adjustment, the third game of doubles, I th- believe I had a two forty eight, if I remember correctly. So from there, you know, did I ever dream of shooting 800 in singles? Not even close. Um, when I started out the way that I did, uh, it was, you know, the, the, the first 278 was like, all right, you know, this is, this is wild. And then the second game, when I started out, I want to say with the first six, you know, I'm, I'm looking and I'm going, Wow, I'm like this is this is shaping up so far to be you know a great set, and then when I when I make the spare and then I go to the fill ball in the twelfth, um, I actually almost switched balls, but I didn't. I was like you know I I talked to the guys, and I was like and they're like no no don't switch. I'm like all right. Well then when I started nine spare and had the next uh, next six because I had. I had him up to the seventh in the eighth frame. I had actually it was the ni- so it was the next seven. So I had the next I had nine spare seven bagger. Um, in the ninth frame, I th- I actually threw the ball very well, um, and, and left the nine pin. I I did miss target by a little bit. So the break that I received for leaving the nine pin actually was was a very forgiving break. And then when I went up there in the tenth my nerves got to me. It was just the fact that 
being in that situation, knowing that I was able, you know, to have a big number, if I go off, you know, I'm looking at you know, 830 where, you know, I'm like, all right, go up there and make the best shot you can. Well, I went up there. My nerves got to me. I was fast with my feet and just fired the ball. Um, when I left the 210, you know, in my head, I'm like, great. I'm like, you start out with, you know, 556 after two. And now you go and you shoot, you know, not, now you're going from shooting 260 down to 240, you know, or, or even 230. And I'm like, all right, I'm like, I'm in trouble. I, I didn't think I had it. And actually Steve and Jerry were the ones that were like, hey, you know, keep your head up. Get, you know, you, you have it. You know, it's up there. You got 801 right now without any pins, without any count. And I'm like, all right. Then we Then it was the make the decision of do I go for it or do I go for one? And my gut told me to just get one because at that point in time, you know, I I had been there for a couple days prior, so I had seen, you know, I'd went and seen some of the better bowlers bowl. Uh, we uh, went in the one late night and bowl and watched uh, the Borsches bowl. We actually, I personally went in and watched Lenny and Jacob bowl, and when I saw them guys bowl, you know, I know how much talent them two have, and when I saw them bowl and saw how tough they were, it was, you know. I'm like, all right. And I was like, I might have enough. But then the months leading up to the end, I mean, that was, there was a lot of score watching and you know, that year. Um, I think the one that watched the scores the most, um, actually was my fiance Taylor and my boss, Teresa. I think them two were the ones that, that actually watched the scores more than anybody. I watched, I didn't watch as much as them two, but I did watch quite a bit. There were times where we'd be at, probably 12 30 one o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden i get a text from Teresa. this person's got a chance and i'm like oh <laughs> so then i hop on and i look and i watch and it's all right i can go to bed and there was actually one time that i had no idea i woke up the next morning and somebody had had shot a you know a big number and i was like oh I'm like well i'm glad i wasn't watching that one i probably would have sweat that one out quite a bit <laughs> Now, now, Cody, uh, you know, you mentioned being in town for a little bit and you had bowled the Masters at the On Center there in Syracuse previously uh, before your Open Championships experience. Uh, you kind of finished, you know, middle of the pack, didn't make the top 64. Uh, but, you know, up until that single set, you, you kind of had some struggles there. Uh, did you, you know, uh, as far as, you know, just being comfortable with that particular venue, uh, how much did that come into play, you think, down the stretch, uh, especially as you started to string strikes in your single set? Um, getting adapt to the venue does take a little bit. The, I don't know. It's hard to even say what happened that year in the masters. I know, you know, we bowl on basically the toughest pat, you know, one of the toughest patterns they see all year on tour. And that actually, I believe was the first year that they kind of put that speed bump down at the end of the pattern down like your 38, you know, your 30 or like 32 foot mark. Um, so, and that was my first time ever seeing that. So getting adapt kind of to that and to the venue, I had actually never bowled other than El Paso. And to me, El Paso didn't really seem like a convention center. If I'm being honest. Um, whereas in the on center, you could tell it was a convention center. I don't know, you know, mentally if that played with, you know, played with me a little bit, but the bowling, the masters, 
you know, about a week and a half before we bowled definitely helped me um, once I got started stringing strikes because I kind of ex- knew what to expect. Granted, we're on, you know, different lane, you know, not or different lane pattern with different cross bowlers, um, but it was, it, it did help me quite a bit because it, I kind of knew what the lane beds were going to do. You know, I, I shouldn't say I knew what the pattern was going to do, but it actually seemed like as we bowled, on all three patterns, the 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 fronts really started to hook, but the back ends actually tightened up quite a bit, and I think a lot of that also had to do with the topography of the of the on center as well. Yeah, Steve, we're going to talk uh, in a minute to Cody about his short and successful career at the Open Championships, but uh, for you in 2018, uh, you're on that pair of lanes. You're the veteran uh, of the event here with the 11 years in the books. Um, but uh, through the first game or so of singles, it really could have been either one of you making a run at that uh, that 800 and that title. Uh, a great start for both of you. Uh, had to be a lot of fun. I'm sure you pushed each other. Uh, and for you especially, coming off of 520 and doubles, uh, a big, big turnaround. Uh, first, I, I guess, tell us uh, about uh, the difference between those two sets on the same pair of lanes uh, and then – being in that moment and how much that helped you perform and uh, maybe how you guys work together uh, to, to both have a chance. Yeah, we, uh, I don't know. Doubles was a little early morning. I bowled really bad in team. So maybe had too much fun the night before. Uh, Might've made it to a casino for a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, then we came back in and, you know, doubles. I, I don't, I don't know. I felt like I, I bowled. Okay. Just couldn't score. Couldn't get 10 down. Just kind of one of those things. And then, Finally, like I said, we had the game plan where we were all going to try and stay right as long as possible. And then finally, you know, we kind of make that move left and get matched up with the right ball at the right time. And it just happened to happen in singles. And obviously we broke them down correctly. You know, I was turning, I don't know, a little over 500 after two and I was losing by like 40. I'm like, well, this sucks. <laughs> just kidding. No, I was happy for him. Obviously we're pushing each other and cheering each other on, but um, yeah, I don't know. I was just getting matched up with the right ball at the right time. And, you know, things just started clicking and it's, easy to strike when you got other people striking around you. Um, I mean, obviously if you look at doubles, it just, your swing stays loose, you know, things just roll and you don't have to, you don't worry about anything else. Like it just, you're not stressing about a spare. If you're throwing strikes, you're not stressing about what, you know, other people are doing because they're striking too. So it just makes, I mean, obviously makes the game easier. Uh, you mentioned that Lenny Boris drills your equipment. Of course, he's a, he's a hall of famer, a three-time Eagle winner. Uh, so based on where you guys come from, you understand what the event's all about and the prestige and uh, just all that comes with success. Uh, and now uh, you've been at it for over a decade. Uh, and to see Cody succeed the way he did, um, just tell us about being part of the experience uh, from that perspective as a teammate, as the friend. Uh, and then we'll talk about how much it meant for you to, to be in it uh, all the way the next year. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's got to be pretty awesome and, and pretty motivating to, uh, to watch somebody have that kind of success and go through the process uh, and it maybe as a learning experience, especially when it n- ended up being you the next year. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the Open Championships is the cream of the crop for me. I don't, I've never bowled a regional. I don't, just never tried it, never bowled anything big. I always talked about it, just never pulled the trigger. So the Open Championship is pretty much it for me. Like, you know, I, when I first went out, you know, 10, 11 years ago, whatever it was, you know, I didn't, I didn't know the whole landscape of it and everything. And now over the years, bowling tournaments against all these guys, obviously the guys from Wisconsin, I bowled in the Zyke Center. I bowled in a sport league at the Zyke Center, you know, learning his history and how crazy that is. And, uh, you know, 
just learning how big of an event it really is and you know how many people go to this thing and it's i think isn't it the biggest tournament or the biggest sporting or participation event in the world yeah. uh, you know it's just stuff like that that people don't know about if you're not in the bowling community and you know you learn every year you go out there you learn more and more you know you hear you know lacaz mcneil you hear all those stories and what they've done out there it's just crazy and to watch cody you know you know do what he was doing and obviously i was trying to keep up with him so you know it was it was something and then finally for him to take the lead you know seeing his name at the top of the leaderboard when we're done it's just an awesome feeling and I think when we got done bowling, I know Jerry for sure, because he's a crier. He had tears, and we might have had a few ourselves. Like, just the emotions just run wild. It's it's absolutely nuts. It's just the history, the prestige of what it is. It's just, it's unreal. And, uh, you know, I said bowling for, you know, over a decade now. It's crazy to even think that and think about all the years we've gone. But, yeah, just seeing him do it was, you know, just as I want to say almost just as cool as doing it yourself. Obviously not, but <laughs> it's close. It was damn close to what it was. So, Well, you just mentioned two pretty significant names in OC history, uh, Les Zykes and Anthony Lacaz, the only two gentlemen in tournament history who have won titles in three consecutive years. Uh, now, Cody, uh, of course, winning in 2018 and 19, that means that uh, you're a contender to join that very short list of names at the Open Championships. Uh, even more impressive is that you've only bowled in the event three times. Uh, your first year, uh, it was uh, 2015 in El Paso, which you mentioned, uh, and then taking a couple years off, coming back in 2018. Uh, you're, you're, of course, at the caliber uh, of a player that can win an Eagle or two um, and bowl in the Masters and, and have a top 15 finish. Uh, I guess the big question is, uh, about your participation at the OC. I know there's some work-related things that maybe uh, have delayed your start at the event as well as uh, played a role in 2016 and 17. But uh, tell us about that. Uh, it's pretty amazing to have three years in and two Eagles uh, and, and the skill level that you have. But uh, tell us about your OC career and kind of how it's unfolded a little bit. Um, it is just it, – it's completely unbelievable. In 2015 – I wasn't even scheduled to go, and we actually ended up having two people back out literally like last minute, and uh, so myself and my fiance were the ones that actually ended up getting called upon to go bowl. So what we did is we left, you know, on a on a Friday like four or five o'clock in the morning, and I just drove as far as we could because um, at that point in time, by the time I was going to get a flight get down there and everything it was just it was gonna be way too expensive for as quick as it came up um so we made it to el paso basically we stopped and slept for i don't know five hours or something um so we were you know it only took us maybe 32 or 33 hours to get there just stopping at a hotel and sleeping um so just i mean just to start out that my my career that way is absolutely amazing because I went down there and the team that I had bowled with, um, like I said, one of their guys had to back out. So it was, you know, I went down there and I just tried to learn that year, you know, not, not really being there before and knowing what to expect and going in like I did, you know, kind of going in blind. I did practice once or twice on the patterns from the previous year before we had left. And, uh, so that, that kind of helped, 
but it was it really was more of a guessing game as to what bowling balls to take, you know, and, and kind of the lane play um, experience. So, you know, I did not have a 600 series that year. I actually think I had 599. Um, I don't remember what set that was, but I ended up with like 1720 or 10, somewhere in that number, I believe. I'm not 100% sure on that, so don't quote me. And then going into 2018, um, I was a lot more prepared. You know, I knew what to expect. You know, I I knew they were going to be tough. Bowling the Masters the last six years has has helped tremendously on a lot of um, places, you know, that I go bowl that we see very tough patterns. Uh, Bowling the U.S. Open when I did in 2018 as well, that uh, that was another big thing when I was down in Wichita. That that's them, you know, the, the, the masters and the U S open them two tournaments have helped me tremendously. Um, on once we get on the real tough stuff, but going into 2018, it was, it was all right. You know, I bowled the masters. I didn't bowl as good as I wanted to. And then just going home for a couple days and then driving back, um, you know, coming in, I guess, you know, like I said before, did I ever dream of shooting an 800 and taking over the lead in singles? No. Um, so it, it's kind of dumbfounded that it happened because it, it's just, it's nuts. And, you know, not, you know, bowling the things that I had before, seeing some of my success, I always knew in the back of my head there was that, that possibility. You know, there's that possibility for anybody. If there's anybody that's, you know, thinking that they can't go out and win an eagle, it, it, it can be done by anybody. It takes, for instance, like a singles eagle, it, all, it, it takes three games to get lined up. Same thing with doubles, and then the same thing with team. Granted, you got four other people that have to get lined up with you. Um, or if you happen to, say, get lined up all nine games, and now you know, you're looking at an all-events title. It, it is very tough to win an all-events title, especially bowling on two different patterns, as tough as they are at the Open Championships. So, 2018 was a big year, um, and doing what I did, like I said, I, I'm still speechless to this day on, on some of them moments. Um, my first phone call was actually to my mom, and then my second was to my fiance because she wasn't there, and like Steve said before, there, there were tears. Um, I got on the phone with my mom, and I told her, I said, I just shot 800 um, I said, and I took over the lead and she just, I mean, she literally busted out in tears, you know, I could hear her over the phone and it, it, and it was kind of the same thing on the other end with my fiance as well. And it was, it was nuts. And then going into last year, um, I even told the, I told the guys, I said, look, I said, I'm going to try my hardest in team. I said, but going through the whole, you know, returning as defending champion, going through the whole, you know, the March out. I said, don't expect much in team. <laughs> I said, doubles and singles. I said, it'll be different. Um, well, I started out. I started out in team with one thirty-three. One thirty-three <laughs> is what I started with team at, and I was like, Glad he wasn't on my team. and I, and, and I, I wasn't happy. Um, I think I went through like four or five balls, and, and when we got into game two, I kind of sat down with Jerry, and Jerry and I talked. And we kind of figured something out. So then I went and I want to say I had 190, 
no, I or two zero or whatever I had. Um, and then game three is when I is actually when I really got lined up, and I had I had a big game there to get me over you know to get me over that six hundred mark. And then, believe it or not, we got done bowling. We went down you know went downstairs, got some food, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to practice. Everybody's like, you're going to practice. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm not happy with how I bowled today. I'm like, I understand there was a lot of pressure, like, but I was doing something wrong. So I actually went up. By the time we got done, went and got food. It was after midnight. I went up and grabbed the only ball that I had left because everything else I had already checked and had in a locker, and I completely forgot to grab a bag. Well, it was a last-minute decision to go practice anyways. Um, so I went up and practiced. I bowled 10 games that night oh, wow. just to, just to try to figure something out. And I think I finished practice at like three o'clock that morning. Um, and it was kind of funny because I was bowling on the low side, um, of the bowling center. And the first, you know, couple games I was really working on, you know, just my release and staying down at the line. The next three games, I had like eight, you know, games four, five, and six, I had like 8.30. And the center manager up there, she comes over, she goes, you were down in the Open Championships today, weren't you? I go, yeah. She goes, you were the one that got the wash today, weren't you? I said, yeah. She goes, I thought that was you. So then, you know, we kind of got talking, and um, I guess, you know, she was asking me how everything was. She's like, people normally don't bowl very good over here on this side. I'm like... I don't know. I'm like, I'm not even trying to shoot scores. I'm just working on stuff. Um, well, then I got done and went upstairs you know, and basically took a nap. It was like a four-hour nap because I was up again at like 8 o'clock. And uh, we went down and watched Rash Bowl that morning and or afternoon when they were bowling singles and doubles. And I was just chatting with them a little bit. And then the, dub- you know, the double set um, Steve had actually asked me, he's like, so how'd practice go last night? I'm like, oh, well, I'm like, I think I'm okay. I'm like, I guess we'll find out. Well, we stuck to our game plan, um, that we had with the team, the same game plan we had the year before, you know, all work as a team, break them down the right way. And it, it was nuts, you know, to have 500 after two. And then I'm going to the 10th frame with the front nine. I'm like, there is no way I'm doing this two years in a row. And on top of it, to shoot 300 and 800, I'm like, this is just nuts. You know, it was the same thing as the year before. You know, my adrenaline got to me, and, and that's what it was. So I went up there, and I left the spare, and I'm like, all right, well, I hate the 2-5, but I'm going to try to convert it anyways. I ended up making it. Um, and it was the same thing the field ball. You know, I was just I – was, I was very pumped up. And when we got done – Steve's like, we took the lead. I'm like, no. I'm like, we did not. It's like, yeah, we did. He's like, the lead was like 1300, you know, 1350. I'm like, no, I'm like, the lead was like 1400. I'm like, we, we didn't take it. And uh, so he brings it up. And I'm like, oh, I guess it was 1350. I'm like, I didn't think we had it, you know, up until because I wasn't adding our, their scores together while we were bowling. It was just get up there, you know, make your shot. You know, so when we got done, and we had, you know, 1478. It, it was nuts. I mean, it, it was absolutely nuts. 
So to be able to go back to back, you know, like I said, I'm speechless about so many things about the, about them two years. It's just, it's hard to even fathom that it's happened now to be able to come back next year and possibly be a three-peat is going to be an even bigger thing. It's, I'm going to try to put in the back of my head. I don't want to think about it while I'm bowling. Cause if I think about it, I'm going to overthink it. Um, and just, I'm just going to go out and do it. So, you know, and there'll, there'll be more practice because there hasn't been a lot of practice by me this summer. Um, like I normally do, but so there'll be, there'll be quite a bit of practice to get ready for it next year, but I will, uh, I'll take the bull by the horns and see what happens. About that whole three-peat, about the whole three-peat thing is we we're going to go in October and uh, Halloween, we were going to go bull and Cody's like, Oh, I don't know if I can make it happen. I'm like, Cody, you have chance to make history. What are you thinking? <laughs> like, <laughs> we're going to make you bowl. And he's like, oh, I don't know if I can get out of work. I'm like, okay, let's talk about that real quick. <laughs> so he was a knucklehead. <laughs> he was going. <laughs> right. That, yeah, was, we, 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 got, we, we got it worked out to where I was able to go, and then it ended up not being able to go anyways. So. Mm-hmm. Now, Steve, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, or you guys talked about kind of having the same game plan heading into uh, doubles and singles. Uh, and, you know, when you looked at the scores that you guys had in 2018 in singles, you guys would have shot 1,500. Uh, so you got you guys find a way to match up at the right time. Just, uh, you know, 2019 was the year for it to happen in doubles. And, you know, that score ended up not being really contested throughout the course of the tournament. It's actually the tied for the highest score since uh the uh tournament transitioned to two patterns in the doubles uh but for you guys you know when did you know you guys were you know the lanes were shaping up right uh you know kind of the game plan for it uh you know was there a bowler's journal session or two involved in it and along with that uh you know as it was kind of coming down the stretch what was you know kind of going through your mind knowing that a cody's you know going for 800 you're putting together a real nice set you got shot 700 um as uh, you know, those final few frames, and then obviously, uh, you know, you you were the one who surprised them with the big news of the of the score and taking the lead. Just uh, what was kind of that whole process of that three games like for you? Yes, yeah, so obviously, it started at the Bowlers Journal the day before, or I might have been it might have been the morning of. I'm not I'm not even sure, but um, I jumped really far right at the bowl. Like I bowled it once without him the day before, I think, and then the morning of, I think we bowled again, and I jumped really far right and had found a pretty good look at the bowler's journal and he kind of had the same thing. And we went in there, you know, with a pretty positive mentality, knowing it's the same shot quote unquote. I know it's a different, you know, different lanes and whatnot, but you know, going in doubles and singles, we were pretty excited. And uh, you know, he started out with a big game, 260. I think it was 260 something. I had two teen. I had, I had a good look to the whole, you know, break here or there could have been even bigger. And then the next game, you know, the, Finally started falling for me, and I shoot 270, and he shoots, I think, 230, something like that. Um, we had to get to him to 500 even, and I'm turning 490-something. So, you know, all right, we're averaging 250 a guy through two games. Like, all right, this is real life. Like, this can happen. It's like, all right. So then I kind of went into euphoria. I kind of lost myself because I was, I was so far right of everyone. So when I had to make my move, I had to make a bigger move, eight, nine, I was like eight or nine boards with my feet at least to kind of catch up to where everybody else was. 
And uh, Rob Milbrath, our teammate, kind of helped me through that, talked me through it. And I'm, I'll never forget, I think it was, God, the fourth, fifth frame of the last game. And I got on the lanes. I'm like, I have no idea where I'm standing. <laughs> like, uh, where am I at right now? Like, it was like, I mean, the emotions were getting to me quick. You know, everything was, I mean, I knew the number we could put up. And, you know, everything over 1,400 out there is just, I mean, that's good. Like, I would take that, give it a chance every year almost. Um, and I literally going through those last few frames, I just trying to keep my feet underneath me, the emo, like the emotions were going already, you know, the cameras come behind you. I see it. And I said, I remember I said, I mentioned some of Cody. I was like, Oh, they're here. He's like, shut up, quit looking back there. <laughs> <laughs> so like the emotions got to me pretty good. I know I got lost on the lanes. Like I said, I don't know if it was the cocktails I was drinking or just the emotions, but I definitely stepped up one time and I got on the lanes. I'm like, I have no idea where I'm supposed to be standing. <laughs> so I had to back off down the approach and I split in the eighth um, and I made it at 210 and made it. It was a pretty big conversion, you know, to stay clean. And uh, then it was just, it was kind of the Cody show after that. I like, I, after that, I was like, all right, this guy's got a chance to do another amazing thing. Like, you know, shoot 300, 800 back to back years. So I kind of stood back and watched the 10th and then he, you know, missed unfortunately. But so I got up behind him and, got up and threw three of my better shots of the day and struck out in the 10th and to put up a number at 14, you know, 78 was, you know, just crazy. And then the emotions go, my dad was there, you know, and like I was telling you guys, I'm going to go both singles and I'm just, I'm out of it. I couldn't tell you what ball I used. I couldn't tell you what I shot to this day. Like, I don't know anything. Cause it's just like, you know, it was like on surreal. Like, you know, this has a chance, like I said, 14, 1400, let alone 1470. And then, when you guys did the write up the next day and I actually read it and you guys put that thing in there, that's the highest tied for the highest score ever since the rule changed. That's when it's like, okay, like that's a number that may not be beat. And like you said, no one, no one really sniffed it. You only won by over 50, I think it was. Um, so, you know, the emotions were going, like I said, that first phone call, my dad was there, fortunately. And then, you know, I called my mom and I cried like a baby in the hotel room. I'll never forget it. <laughs> I literally, I just couldn't stop crying. I'm like, mom, I'm never like this. What is going on? <laughs> so it was a, it was obviously a cool, surreal day. And we're just sitting at dinner and everyone makes fun of me. Like we're sitting at dinner, all of us. And they're like, why can't you stop smiling? I'm like, uh, do you know what just happened? <laughs> so uh, surreal experience for sure. Like, um, no, if it'll ever happen again, you don't know. And, you know, going into this year, you know, excited for my, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to, get on the lanes, have that presentation, be walked out, you know, and then thinking maybe it might not happen now. And also this year, um, another once life opportunity, not only am I going to get presented with, you know, watch the, whatever, the whole presentation, but Liz Johnson was going to be on our team this year. Um, so that was going to be both the goat, the lady goat of all time. She was on our team. So I was excited to do that and then got backed up and then, all right, so here we go in October and then backed up again, obviously and canceled and, I'm not going to lie. By the time May, June, July, I was hoping the whole thing would just get canceled. So just, just so the whole experience and everyone be able to bowl again, you know, be in the year to come back. And then, you know, my family, like they want to come this year to be able to see my mom and dad both come to see the experience. So I was kind of hoping it would get canceled in the end, just because, you know, it wasn't, it wouldn't be the full experience of a full, like full, I don't know, it's like a full year of the tournament. It was like kind of a half year. And then like, my mom wasn't gonna be able to come, so I was just, I was just hoping it was, uh, it was canceled to be honest. Which sounds bad. I love bowling the tournament, but <laughs> so we have a once in a lifetime. I mean, this may never happen again. I mean, you never know. So, I was, understandable. 
Yeah. Well, now you, you do know what the whole experience entails because you got to watch as Cody went through all the things, the score watching, uh, getting the phone call when it was all over that uh, that he was the champion, uh, and then the Eagle presentation and everything that came with it on site the following year. Uh, how has it been different uh, being the guy now that is in it? You know, you, you got to see it. You got to 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 feel those things, but uh, certainly a whole different experience uh, being the guy watching for yourself at that point, getting that phone call to find out that it was official, uh, and then not just watching the Eagle presentation, but being able to hold your own. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, it obviously was a lot of score watching ourselves. Um, you know, it was a lot of score watching when I knew certain people were out there. You know, you knew when certain people were bowling. You know, you'd watch, you'd watch certain names. You're like, all right, they get, these guys are bowling together this day. All right, I'm going to really pay attention. You know, but it's so hard to pay attention all day long. It's just it's my dad was, I couldn't, um, but uh, you know, yeah, it's been a surreal experience, you know, waiting around watching. And finally that last day we were, my mom and dad came out the very last squad and we're watching online. And as soon as they were mathematically, no one could beat us mathematically, you know, the emotion started going. My dad came over, hugged me. It was, it was just a cool experience. It really didn't set in though at all like he came over hugged me like i don't i don't it was a weird i didn't get excited i don't know it was just super weird and uh and then going forward and waiting for that phone call to get the official official word you know i'd never had that cody had obviously so waiting for that phone call was pretty cool you never knew when it was going to come and and you don't uh, and then finally get that phone call and they tell you you know hey just want to let you know you congratulations you've won an Eagle at the 2019 Open Championships. And I think I was actually driving. So thankfully I didn't cause an accident. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's a surreal feeling. Like I said, knowing the history and knowing everything, it's just absolutely amazing. Like, and can't wait to get back out there next year and get the full presentation and just everything that comes with it. And after seeing Cody do it, I'm going to try and beat 133. Hopefully I can handle that. <laughs> so now you guys were, part of arguably uh, the most exciting 15 or 20 hours at the open championships. Uh, you know, the night before you took the lead in doubles, uh, it was the Ryan Mouse show um, taking a lead in four events, fighting off Kirk Pilon and Sean Rash uh, for the all events lead uh, a couple 800s that night. Again, you guys were on the other side of the bowling center, uh, seeing what was happening, seeing it unfold, seeing how big the scores were. Um, and then you came back the next morning after Aaron's all-nighter, uh, where he was there with those guys. Uh, it transitioned. I took over uh, and was there when you guys bowled doubles and singles. Uh, but, man, like the excitement. And, and what what did that instill in you, uh, just being able to see that as far as maybe not fear, but, uh, you know, the motivation uh, or the realization of what the scores could be, uh, knowing that these guys now had just raised the bar as high as they did. Uh, just a couple of hours before it was time for you to take the lanes. It was, it, it was very, that was, like you said, that was a surreal 15 to 20 hours at, at, at the center. Um, when we got done with team, I went over and I was watching them guys bowl and I'm like, wow. I'm like, these guys are talented. They broke the lanes down correctly. Like they, they know what they're doing. And my whole, th- you know, my whole thing is, everything's got to fall your way that day. So knowing that, you know, they, you can break the lanes down correctly, but at the same point in time, now you could go out, you could be hitting the pocket consistently with the right ball, but you may not be carrying the 10 pin 
or may not be carrying the seven pin or, or anything like that. So, you know, knowing that you got to have everything line up that day for you, all the stars fall in line. Um, it, and, and then reading the day after we took the lead, um, that, you know, like Steve said that we were the highest score since the rule change. It was like, wow, you know, we, we've had a big number. It's, it's, it's hittable. It's going to take a lot, but it's hittable. But watching them guys bowl that night after we bowled team was phenomenal. I mean, just the shot making processes that they did and to get up in the 10th frame and for Ryan Mao to do what he did, um, you know, just to, to snap off Pilon and Rash, you know, in singles and in all events, it's like, wow, this guy literally has nerves of steel. Um, so, and then, like I said, you know, when I talked to him the day before while they were bowling, um, it was given getting some insight from Sean was, was a big thing, but, but then watching him put it, you know, all together, what was, was even bigger. So it was, it was a lot, you know, it was a lot to take in, but it was, it was very well worth it. Yeah. And being that early in the tournament too, I mean, after, you know, we get done bowling team event, I don't know. I don't even remember scores or anything, but we get done and we'll go over there and we're like, we, well, we, knew, we knew they were on our squad, obviously, because, you know, we're all in the room together. So we could go over there just to see what they're doing and to see the numbers that they're putting up. It's like, well, maybe the pattern's a little softer this year. You know, maybe, I mean, not that they're not great bowlers, but the numbers they're putting up were just outrageous. So I'm like, well, maybe they're a little, you know, a little easier this year, maybe in doubles and singles. That was the first time I'd watched anyone pull the tournament on it. So, but you know, what they did was just unbelievable and coming to find out they weren't soft at all. The scores weren't high at all. <laughs> like they were, they were just bold. Great. It was, you know, it was really cool to watch and, you know, watching Sean Rash, you know, one of the great bowlers on tour and then, you know, Kurt and Ryan and all them. I mean, somebody leaving open championships, leading four events is just, you know, it's unheard of type stuff too. It was just, it was really cool to walk, to walk over and watch the end of it. Uh, yeah. My, my whole thing is, um, and Steve and I have said it before. I would rather bowl early and put up a number rather than bowl late and be chasing that number. Because if you bowl early and you put up a number, you know, like Matt, like I said before, your swing is so much easier. You're not grabbing it. You're letting it happen. Whereas now if you go out, say, late June, early July, now you're towards the end of the tournament, you're like, oh, I got to shoot 1478 or, you know, like the all events, I got to shoot 2100. On this, now all of a sudden, you know, your swing goes from really loose to super tight and you're trying to make it happen because, you know, you got to shoot numbers. So, you know, in, in my learning of the game, like I've done the last 10 years, um, it's I would rather go out early than go out late. And like I said, for that reason, because if I if I know I can, you know, there's a possibility of me going out and putting up a number rather than having to chase a number. That's what I want to do because I'm going to be a lot looser than I will be if I'm trying to get to that number. Now, how much did the 2018 experience help you uh, through 2019 or even help you enjoy 2019 a little bit more or differently? Uh, and how much more special was it uh, knowing that it wasn't just about you, but you're, you were getting to share that with somebody as well? Uh, the 2018 experience helped me a lot. Like I said, my nerves were still kind of there um, when I had – the front nine, the last game. And, and that's just, you know, being on that big of a stage, you know, the biggest stage in bowling, 
and having a you know the chance to shoot like Steve said 300 800 you know 800 in back to back years and and a 300 it is was nuts you know just you know going through it you know I, I was like just stay calm um to be honest I didn't really think about the 800 till I got until about the 8th frame of the last game um and I was like all right I'm like you can shoot 300 I'm like you know, just go up there, throw, make good shots, you know, and, and there, you know, like most people, there were breaks in that game that helped me tremendously. You know, there was, there was one break in there where I had a messenger come across that actually first went in front of the 10. Um, it hit off, it hit off the sidewall and then actually spun and knocked the 10 backwards. Or if that stands now, I'm only at two set, you know, 279. But at that point in time, who's to say that I you know, fill fill the frames till the end of the game, and shoot that two seventy nine. Where I shoot two seventy six, just shoot seven seventy six. So it was it helped me a lot. Um, and then the score watching, in, there wasn't as much score watching this year as there was, you know, as there was in years as in the twenty eighteen. And that was it was a little more relaxing because I had already been through it one time. You know, knowing what to expect and see. And then, you know, talking with Steve, you know, throughout the whole tournament, it was, it was, you know, a tremendous feeling. And to be able to share it with Steve is, is a great feeling. You know, knowing that I was able to help somebody be successful is, is one of my main goals. My my whole thing, especially being a pro shop operator, is I want to be able to help people, you know, better their game or, you know, get the correct equipment or fit or, you know, anything in that nature. I just I want to help them. So to be able to help Steve, tremendous feeling. Now, Cody, I, I have a question for you. When you kind of look at 2018 and 2019, uh, in 2018, you rocked the single set. In 2019, you rocked the double set, but there is one consistent thing with that, and I'm going to bring some photos up here, but you, you're wearing the same jersey for both <laughs> of these, so I need to know, is this uh, is this jersey hanging up somewhere, or is this like your go-to jersey? Uh, uh, are you a little superstitious with that? I will be 100% honest that um, there is a little superstition behind that. You know, it just happened to be a jersey that I wore in 2018. And then when I wanted it, it was like, all right, well, then there was some tournaments in the 18-19 season that I had worn it before we went out for nationals, and I had bowled very well in it. So it was like, all right, that's going in the bag, or, you know, that's going in my suitcase. It has to go. And then to wear that for, and that's actually why I wore it was because, you know, the superstitious, you know, superstition thing of, all right, well, if I wore, I wore it last year in singles, if I wore it again this year in singles, maybe, you know, maybe the stars align again. Did I ever expect them to align in doubles? No, but for that to well, happen what, what was nuts. I, I do well, think looking at your, uh, looking at your record here, uh, I think your team would actually appreciate it if you'd wear it in the team event in 2021 uh, with the 0 for 3. No 600s in the team event. I think uh, they maybe throw them one and, uh, and wear it for the first three games this year. Maybe maybe I should wear it and then wash it and then wear it again. 
There you go. Strategy. See, it's all about strategy at the Open Championships. <laughs> or may maybe I should have another one made. Then I'll have two of them. Oh, I, I think that's the one. I think just wear it the whole time. <laughs> just, just to wear it to yeah, Vegas, just, and then you're covered. Yeah, just never change. <laughs> <laughs> so now, with that said, um, even though we did miss 2020 in Center Isle and Reno and the whole deal, the whole experience, uh, the next two years, you guys get to bowl in the venue uh, where this happened. A very special place, I'm sure, for you now. Uh, you haven't had a chance, I don't think, to, to walk back in there. Maybe you have uh, since since it happened. Um, Steve, tell us if you can even anticipate what it's going to feel like going up that escalator, walking back into South Point, uh, and then knowing that your next 18 tournament games are going to be in a place that now uh, is probably pretty special to you. Yeah. Well, Vegas has a special place in my heart forever. Like I've been going there my whole life. My Our family have a townhouse out there. So flying into Vegas every year since I was probably 12, 10, I don't even know. But we went there a lot growing up, obviously. And then going to the, back to the stadium is just going to be – it's going to be crazy. I mean, you, you, something happened there two years ago that's going to be the – the highlight of my bowling career, probably. I, hopefully, it can be top somehow, some way. When in a team event or team eagle would be the obviously the ultimate goal because that's, in my opinion, the best team all events or team event is the best one you can win because you got five guys all working together. Um, but you know, like you said, you just never know if it can happen again. And walking back into that venue again, it's gonna it'll give me give me chills right now. Let alone, I can't imagine what it's gonna give me when I actually head back there next year. No, well, now, Steve. The, oh. No, all yours. <laughs> all right, there we go. Uh, Steve, you know, you mentioned uh, Vegas being, uh, you know, a pretty special place for you, and that's actually where you got your start at the OC uh, back in 2009. So, uh, you know, we kind of got Cody's story a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, you know, what was your introduction like to the Open Championships? What kind of drove you out there for the first time? And then, obviously, you've been a part of it since. But uh, what was that first tournament experience like for you? Yeah, so I – I bowled college for one year as a freshman at Northern Illinois, and then I kind of took five years off from bowling pretty much all together. Didn't bowl at all, and then I finally came back from – I went to school in California for to be a golf professional and came back, and I started bowling in Jim Goches's bowling center in Waukegan, Illinois. And uh, he uh, he had a group together, and, you know, I bowled league. He asked me if I wanted to go, and I said, sure, why not? Let's do it. So I'll never forget we were out of lanes one and two. So it was my first time ever. So the group of 10, and they're like, oh, you have to walk out first. <laughs> so we're walking out of center aisle at the convention center. And I'm the first one out the, the door. So it was just like, you know, like, they're like, don't trip, you know, give me all kinds of, <laughs> all kinds of stuff to me. And I'm just like, all right. So it was, it was a really cool experience because then it was at the, it was a convention center, mm -hmm. um, if I remember right. And so walking out of that aisle the first time, you know, it's, it's, it's a different experience for sure. Like it said, like I said, I didn't really know the history of the event then. I didn't know a lot about it. Like I said, I, it was my first time out there. I didn't know really know what was what I was what was happening. But and then I, I couldn't tell you how I bowled. I had no idea. You, <laughs> you might be able to tell me or show me. Oh yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> was it any good? It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It was a good start to your career. Something to something to build on for sure. <laughs> but uh, while Aaron pulls that up, uh, what was it about the experience that uh, that kind of made it click made it special for you and made you want to come back uh, almost every year since ooh. uh the big thing was the i uh, you know the camaraderie like you know just 
going out there with a group of 10, 20 guys, you know, and it's starts out as a vacation the first few years, like, Hey, I get to go to Vegas. I get to go to, I get to go to Reno. Like, let's go have some fun. You know, it was kind of party first, full second originally, I'm not going to lie. And then finally, as I learned the history and I kind of got more back into bowling, like I said, I took five years off. Um, I got more competitive. I started bowling more tournaments at home, you know, and then you hear more stories about the open championships and going forward. And then it's just, you know, it, it just like it, it, it flipped. Like I said, it went from being a vacation to, you know, this is what I look forward to every year as a competitor. And it just, you know, a few years and that were good a few years that were bad. you know, it's a different animal. Every time you go out there, you never know what you're going to walk into. So it's just, it's such a cool experience and a cool event that, you know, it's just different from I had one year, I think I don't know, probably my fifth year in Reno with five friends ago, I had a chance to take the lead in singles. Um, and I was never forget like that competitive edge. Like it was a late night squad. We were, I don't know, emo was working at the time and I was texting them the week and, uh, I was like, you better get your popcorn ready. <laughs> I think I texted him while I was bowling. <laughs> I don't even think he was there because it was like three in the morning. And uh, but yeah, I had left 10 pin, missed it in the sixth. And it was, I think I ended up at like 720 or something. But uh, I'll never forget that first time ever having a chance to actually get in the history books and find my way in there. It was a surreal feeling. And, you know, I look back on my Facebook past events and it'll pop up like, oh, I need to learn that competitive edge that I have out there and that I'll never have another feeling like that. Well, turns out I got another feeling like that. <laughs> well, now you are exactly, you are part of the tournament history forever champion. Uh, always will be some designation next to your name. Always will be introduced uh, as the 2019 regular doubles champ. Uh, how has the OC changed in your eyes now? I mean, it sounds like uh, your appreciation certainly grew right from the beginning, which is awesome. Uh, but now to know that that you are a, a permanent piece of the event's history and tradition, how does that even sound and how does that feel? Yeah, it's, you know, like, uh, uh, it's crazy. It really is. It um, You know, going out there first, you know, I don't think we had any champions on, like, the first squad I bowled on. So, like, I didn't get to see the eagle next to their name. But, like, someone had the front seven and the, the X's went red. And, like, that was always the big thing is, Oh, I went red at the open championship is when this, when you had the front seven or more, like that was always kind of the big thing. And then eventually as the years went on, I bowled with Eric Forkel one year <laughs> and Dick Baker and they're all bowling names. And I bowled team event with them one year. And, uh, you know, then you see that you finally get one of those events where, you know, you see the name and then you see the little Eagle next to it. And they're like, well, at first I'm like, well, what's that? And then you come to find out what it means. And like I said, it's everything, grew and I learned more about the event. It's just crazy. And knowing going forward, I'm going to have that little, you know, the trophy or the Eagle next to my name forever. And no one will be, ever be able to take that away from me. It's just an unreal feeling. And it's, I'm excited to get back out there just to see it for the first time and see that banner for that first time. It's just, I can't wait till next year. I, I, was, I mean, like I said, we were two weeks away from going this year and I'll get excited, getting excited, getting excited and, you know, getting ready to go. And then, you know, kind of deflated me and they pushed it back and then pushed it back again. But, you know, I say good things come to those that wait. So I can't wait to get back out there and see that, see it next to my name and see Cody's name and both our names up there on the banner. It's just going to be, it's going to be awesome. Well, there's a, there's a quick photo of, uh, of just after the Eagle presentation. Of course, that's just one step uh, in the experience, in the process. Uh, for some, that's the moment when it all becomes real. Uh, for others, it's, again, when they see the banner, when they see the scoreboard, 
uh, when they had that presentation. Uh, so all, all part of it, all well-earned. Uh, but with that said now, uh, now that we've turned our attention to 2021, uh, polling centers are starting to open. Leagues are starting to begin. Uh, the preparation, I'm sure, is right around the corner. Uh, tell us about that. And now that we are we are in it, the season is, is here. Um, when does it begin for real? Uh, how is it going to be different this time around? Uh, and what do you guys have planned over the next few months? And do you have dates already set up uh, for Vegas and, and when you're going to be coming our way? Um, it, it's going to be very different, you know, across the, across the nation. There is so many, you know, different sets of rules across, um, the board, you know, for instance, here in Wisconsin, we're able to run at 50% capacity, um, throughout the state where I know down in Illinois, I think it was just last week, um, or the week before they had actually taken the governor to court and won. Um, they are either able to have 50% capacity or they cannot have more than 200 people in the building. So for instance, you have Stardust, which is an 84 lane center. Their capacity is in the thousands. Um, they're only allowed to have 200 people. Or if you have in say an eight lane center and your capacity is 200, you know, or 300, you're able to have a hundred or 150 people in there. Where that eight-lane center can run off of that, but start there's no way Stardust can survive on 200 people, um, and and it also you know it, and it differs from county to county as well. You know there's some counties where you have set strict rules that you have to follow, um, and there's you know and there's some counties that are more relaxed about it. Like for instance, by us at Town and Country, when our customers come in, you know where we're having them sanitize their hands. Um, before they even start touching the bowling balls. And then when they're done, they leave the bowling balls on the rack and we sanitize them when they're done. Um, and we sanitize each and every area that anybody's in as often as we can. You know, every time somebody is done bowling, we go out, we clean, we sanitize everything. Um, and, and I've been to a couple other centers that are doing the same thing. So, and then there's some centers that, aren't doing as much sanitizing, but they're still open. So it's, it's going to be very different across the board. The 20, the 20 and 22, um, 21 season is, is going to be, is going to be awkward. Um, not, not even weird. It's just going to be awkward, you know, and, and there's a lot of places that are, you know, losing bowlers because people are, you know, they're, they're afraid to come out. There's a lot of people that don't want to wear masks to go out. And it's, it's just, it's, it's weird. So, you know, everybody, you know, is each to their own, you know, whether they want, you know, they want to wear a mask, they don't want to wear a mask. That's all them. Um, but there's also places that you go in, you wear a mask when you're there, you know, anywhere on the concourse, once you get in the set area, you can take it off, you know, you can pull, you can take it off, go throw your shot, come back, put it on. So the, 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 the season will be weird, but it's it's still going to be there. You know, bowling will still be there. It's you just gotta we just gotta push through and get through it. You know, as best as we can. All right, now Steve, for you uh, again, a little bit different uh, in Illinois, but just a short drive uh, from Cody Center in Wisconsin. Um, are you already thinking? Are you are you and Lenny planning getting Arsenal ready? 
Um, you know, what, what is it going to take? What's going to be different, if anything, or, uh, or is it business as usual? And hope that the pieces can fall into place once again. Yeah, I hate to lie to you, but I don't worry about Boeing until golf season's over. <laughs> so Boeing's not on. Like we start league, and I just got a text like two days ago. He's like, "Do you know we start league next week?" And I was like, "No, <laughs> I want to be outside still." <laughs> well, that, that also so, brings up uh, another great question too. Uh, we talked to Ryan Mao a couple of weeks ago, of course, the All Events Champ in 2019. Uh, he's an all-American golfer in college, uh, and you mentioned, uh, you know, that you're uh, that you're a golf teacher, a golf pro in that regard. Uh, I'm sure you're probably pretty good at it as well. But uh, if we wanted to spend a day uh, having you and Ryan Mao go out and hit the links, uh, play against each other, and then bowl against each other, uh, what are the chances that you're winning one or both of those uh, those matchups? Uh, I'm definitely, from what it sounds like, I'm losing the golf match. Sounds like he's a real stick. I was not a college All-American. I was not anywhere near that. I'll break 80 here and there. <laughs> but uh, I was more of a teacher than a player. So they say those, that, those who can't do teach. So, <laughs> so when bowling, I'd give myself a, I don't know, 40% chance, maybe. <laughs> I think I'd, I'd, I'd compete more bowling than I probably could on the golf course from what I hear. But uh, so, well, if the timing works out, maybe we'll, uh, we'll come up with something fun for, uh, for 21 and stay tuned for that. Um, but uh, as we roll on here, Aaron Smith, uh, we're, we're getting down to it. Uh, final questions, any final thoughts for the guys before we go? Uh, no, not too much. I, I just want to, you know, throw this out there now that's on, you know, a live broadcast that, you know, Matt, Matt and I will have to make our way down to, to, uh, you know, Illinois, Wisconsin at some point when all this clears up, we're going to go to Steven's place. We're going to call Cody. We're going to call Lenny. We'll even call Liz. <laughs> and first round of old style is on Matt. So that's, I just want to get that out here right now. So but, uh, I believe there's uh, I believe there's also a white castle in the neighborhood too. So I think we'll, we'll all be pretty satisfied with that, uh, that week. That'd be awesome. I'll buy the second round. I promise. <laughs> there we go. We're living big. I like it. Uh, no, th this has been super awesome. Uh, you know, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, I I've gotten to uh, see Cody at a few events, but uh, Steve, uh, this is my first opportunity to chat with you. Uh, and, you know, first time really chatting with Cody at length. Uh, you guys are awesome. You know, we definitely appreciate the time and, uh, you know, you guys spend some time with us here on Bold TV. Uh, it, it's been super fun to hear about your guys' journey, your experiences at the Open Championships, and uh, you know we, we just appreciate it. We appreciate your passion for the event and the sport, and you know you guys just keep doing what you're doing, and uh, uh, you know hopefully we're uh, we're back at this and uh, you know having these same talks in 2021. Yeah, that's that's what we're gonna plan on. Hopefully, <laughs> it's always the goal. But no, thank you guys, and we appreciate what you guys do for the sport in general you know, keeping it going and, you know, anything we can at this point to get our heads wrapped around something else. So definitely appreciate what you guys do. And obviously an honor to be honest with you guys. Yeah. Thanks for Thank having you. us. Thank you guys. Aaron summed it up pretty well. I know Cody's got uh, his jerseys in the laundry, so he's going to be ready for 2021 uh, to get out there and help the team. Uh, but yes, I, I agree. Today was great. I learned a lot about both you guys. Looking forward to hearing more and being part of the journey. Uh, as it unfolds, there's still a lot more to come, of course, uh, in the Eagle winning experience. So uh, we'll look forward to that. Again, back at South Point in 2021, you mentioned Addison, Illinois. Of course, that's the 2021 home of the USBC Women's Championships. Uh, so we'll be in the neighborhood anyway. Aaron will be there uh, for 50 or 60 days or so uh, in 21. So I'm sure you guys will get to catch up at some point. Uh, for everybody watching at home, thank you for tuning in today. 
as we visited with the 2019 regular doubles champions at the Open Championships. Uh, some great comments from some great folks uh, in the chat. If you have any questions later, uh, feel free to send those our way. Uh, and then remember to keep an eye on Bowl TV for a lot of other great content. Aaron Smith, what else do we have coming up? I know I saw the list yesterday uh, going into the, the E! News, so uh, a lot of stuff on the horizon. What do we got? Uh, yeah, we're going to uh, look at the podcast schedule next week. Uh, PWBA podcast on Monday is going to have the legendary Tish Johnson uh, joining the show, so that's going to be fun. Tish, one of the uh, one of the all-time greats and definitely a uh, person I always enjoy getting to, to chat with and see, so – uh, Jason Thomas and I will definitely enjoy that. Uh, Bowling Explained, our new coaching podcast uh, with Jason Thomas, is going to welcome Valerie Bersier. Uh They're going to talk a little bit about health and fitness. That'll be on Wednesday. And then inside the OC, I believe we are talking with Anthony Pepe next week. That's correct. Coming up again, uh, Champions Month continues. And then uh, followed that the following week uh, with uh, Mitch Beasley. So looking forward to catching up with uh, all the guys, all the folks. Uh, and hearing how things are going out there in the world. So uh, there's a lot going on. We're glad things are, are moving forward. Uh, Cody, good luck with the bowling center and league season, everything going on there, Steve. The restaurant looks awesome. Keep that up, and uh, we're definitely coming that way at some point. Uh, for awesome. everybody else, uh, we do appreciate you tuning in today here on this episode of Inside the OC. My name is Matt Canizaro. Uh, for Aaron Smith, Stephen Fisher, and Cody Holbeck, that's the news for now. We'll see you on the lanes.